Great form by you hitting play on this podcast. Now, check out Same Racer, the brand new racing app for Same Race multi-tips. Same Racer. Download from the App Store and Google Play. Powered by Bluebet. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. On 11.16 SEM, the award-winning crunch time. Little feed. Is that three for Perry Mann? What a game. Harry Perryman has three on the board. But Toby got hands free to Cornelio. And Capitan Cornelio dribbles through his second. Look, I understand that there's going to be comparisons from the end of the last game last year and then how you start off this year. People are always interested. But uh, to be totally honest, we sort of moved on pretty quickly. I've sort of alluded to that over the pre-season and um, the, the season 2020, whatever that may look like, um, and we've already made the change to 17 rounds. And no doubt we're going to have some um, other things that pop up and confront us this year. Um, uh, you can only put your best foot forward every game, and, and our guys have really sort of put that in the rear vision mirror. We're, we're, we're looking forward. The Giants show they've mended their broken hearts with a dominant display first up against the Cats. Their former skipper, Phil Davis, will join us shortly. Yeah, we we felt as though we've, we've trained all pre-season with our, with our crowds and we're trying to make our own energy in that regard and um, we're not relying on anyone else and that's what our team focuses have been about since day dot in pre-season. The Marsh series, you can you get that little bit of freedom. It's not, you know, there's no four points and if you make a blue, you know, all these things. But when it's four points on the line, I think, you know, that's a bit more tense and, you know, do you go into your shell a bit more? But I can't see that happening. I think the boys will, um, yeah, show us what they can do. It's the beginning of a new era for both the Roos and the Saints today with new coaches at the helm and overwhelming ex- excitement from their fans heading into 2020. Saints GM of football, Simon Lethlian, is our special guest as we get closer to the bounce of the ball. We'll certainly stand down for, for a minimum of 30 days. Because at the moment, we, we, in terms of our protocol, we are not able to... You know, we, we need to make sure that our protocols are completely tight. The uh, person in uh, question did exactly as has been considered by the Government of Australia. That is, the person was overseas, came back and self-quarantined. And these are the most uncertain of times and how long we play for before the pause button is pushed remains a mystery. We'll give you the latest on the coronavirus and the ever-changing landscape. This is the very first Sunday edition of Crunch Time. It's all for CleanAway. Up your disposal efficiency with CleanAway. sure that we were going to get here to our first edition of Sunday Crunch Time, but we are delighted to have your company this morning. So much to talk about. Everything we just mentioned, including as well on top of that, a disappointing performance first up from the Suns. The Swans hanging tough to beat the Crows and the Bombers beat the Dockers at Marvel Stadium. Only just. Jack Heverin joining you once again at Marble Stadium ahead of North Melbourne and St Kilda, which is the first of three games today. The best analyst in the business, Terry Wallace, is with us for our first edition of Sunday Crunch Time. Plough, good morning to you. Good morning, Jack. I'm here at the MCG. Nice, bright and early for the uh, game. I just wanted to make sure I got a seat to the uh, to the big game uh, this afternoon. But uh, looking forward to it. Yeah, plenty to talk about from the round of footy so far. And uh, you're right, there were some big winners and uh, a couple of big losers from yesterday's football. And alongside you, SEN's Chief Sports Reporter Sam Edmund joins us for Sunday Crunch Time. Sam, good morning to you. And we had our first decent taste of what the coronavirus and the exposure at a footy club might look like. 
Uh, we did, uh, Jack, but it is a pleasure to be here for Sunday Crunch Time lift-off. Just me play on the tumbleweeds down here at the MCG. But you're right, it's a ticking time bomb, isn't it, if we're being honest and dispensing uh, with diplomacy because uh, all measures taken with Collingwood, they're the staff member, never set foot back inside the club after returning from overseas. I'm just glad we've got football on however long it may last. And that seems to be the theme, doesn't it, from everyone, is that, you know, it, it doesn't look the same, it, it doesn't sound the same, and, and at times, Plough, we were both here yesterday at Marvel Stadium, and it, it's definitely different, but it, it's better than nothing. Yeah, it is. And in some ways, I actually felt privileged to be be allowed into the stadiums. I mean, with so many fans, and, you know, we've spoken during the week about, you know, supporters that haven't missed a game for 30 years. Uh, for, for us, um, when we roll in... Yeah, year after year, we're just coming in with the rest of the supporter group. You don't really think much about it. But when you come in uh, yesterday, which was my first opportunity, and I'm here at the MCG, as I mentioned today, for the uh, the Hawks and the Lions, you sit there and go, well, gee, we are in a priv pretty privileged position mm. to be able to sort of enter the stadium and at least be able to tell the people at home just exactly what's going on. Uh, one thing we're learning pretty quickly with these shortened quarters and, and the change to the game the way it is, is that if you can start well, it generally puts you in a pretty good position. Yeah, there's been no doubt. I mean, that's been one of the real common threads over the over the course of the uh, of the competition so far. If you can get off to a good start, it doesn't guarantee anything, as we found out with Adelaide yesterday, but it's certainly in most games... And Essendon was a, a typical example of that. If they didn't do what they did in the first you know, 12 mm. to 15 minutes, you could very well argue a case that they don't get the uh, the job done yesterday. And so uh, jumping out, getting going, and a lot of that's been the home team against the away side, which was with Adelaide, couldn't sustain it, was with Essendon. Um, if, if you can get off to that, uh, that quick start, it's certainly a big assistance. Are we noticing some changes in roles? And, and Jordan Degoe is a good example. There's some, some numbers that suggest that he spent more time in the midfield because of the shortened quarters. Are we going to see more of that, do you think? I think so. Yeah, I, I think... And the other thing that I'll say about that is I think that those... Uh, the dynamic players seem to be coming to their, their own even more so with the shortened quarters where they can get on, use that, you know, that burst of energy and then be able to get off where it becomes less of an endurance game and more of a, you know, a, a burst game of football. I think that that sort of suits uh, that type of player. And I'm talking about you know, Toby Green, uh, Dugowie, uh, Petrarca will get a, a side on uh, later on the, this afternoon. Uh, those players seem to, uh, I think, seem to suit this style of football. And, Jack, that's getting back, it's relatively high scoring. So we're almost missing a quarter of football down to 16 minutes plus time on. So in, the interchange rotation caps have stayed the same at 90. It's almost back to the old days of them coming on and off ice hockey style now where they're fresher, they're more explosive, it's higher rotations and you're getting some pretty big scores and we'll probably touch on it later, but some pretty remarkable goal kicking accuracy too. Yeah, what, what are we making of this? There's been a lot of discussion about the goal kicking and the fact that with no fans here, maybe it's making goal kicking easier. Yeah, well, I think forever we've sort of said uh, we've equated goal kicking to putting, and yeah, you can putt, uh, you know, a two metre putt or a one metre putt, and you know, no problems. You just you know you relax into it. But if somebody tells you and gives you the same putt for a million dollars, see where the see how the nervous energy goes <laughs> at that sort of, at that sort of stage, and that's that's exactly what happens with goal kicking. I mean, you know, stakes are high. Uh, we saw with Tex Walker yesterday. I mean, all of a sudden, that was a different pressure 
scenario for, for him because it, it, the mental pressure come in there. But in general speaking, with no one around, it, it's more like training. And so the blokes are, it's, appear to be more relaxed going for their shots, except when it comes to that shot being the final shot that might make the difference between winning and losing a game. And then all of a sudden the, the nervous energy and the pressure comes back on again. I like that he took that on, though. I mean, Tex has come under a lot of heat in recent times and he might have played up on the wing and it was it was great to see him play key forward. I like the fact that he took the bit between the teeth. Well, he was always going to have the shot. I mean, uh, he, you know, he kicks regularly from outside of outside What do you reckon of from there? 4 out of 10? 5 out of 10? 50-50? For him, yep. I'd say 5 to 6 out of 10. Um, it would have been just a fantastic way for him. He's given up the captaincy. Yep. He's had so much criticism or and so much speculation surrounding him as the person. For him to nail that, it would have been just a brilliant start to his season. But, oh, look, I think we've got to wait and see, Jack, to answer your question about whether it remains that way. Mm. Um, but uh, certainly there seems to be less nervous energy. So, therefore, you would expect that it should be better. Well, Jack, so raw numbers, Fremantle's eight goals, nine, Gold Coast, four goals, five. They're the only clubs out of the 12 so far to kick more behinds than goals in a game. Now, they're not just set shots, they're total numbers. But historically, round one, last year, we had nine of the 18 clubs, half the competition in the opening week, kick more behinds than goals. And the year before that, it was seven. So even just on raw terms, and it does look like that to the naked eye, doesn't it, that mm. the shots are going through more often than we've seen in recent times. All of those numbers to be pulled apart across the show here on Crunch Time. Phil Davis to join us in about 10 minutes from now. Last night, the Giants, there was a lot of eyeballs on them, I thought. Most were fascinated to see, and Leon Cameron spoke in his press conference about how they were going to bounce back from the disappointment of the grand final. We've already seen one team this weekend not bounce back from the disappointment of finals last year. It was the complete opposite for the GWS Giants. It was statement sort of stuff, Plough. Yeah, well, Sam, I was super confident of this one. I just really <laughs> expected yep. GWS to win, win it, uh, win it quite well. I, I actually lost no favours with Geelong. I thought Geelong took it up to them and played a, a pretty reasonable game. Was that game about 50% better than any other game on Saturday? Easily. Uh, the skill level was ridiculous. Easily. I mean, it looked yeah, just a complete step above the other, the other game. So, And that's why I'm sort of saying from, from a Geelong perspective and Geelong fans out there, We'll get on uh, Jack straight away to GWS because obviously our next guest um, is from there. But from mm. a Geelong perspective, lost no favours for me. I'm just looking forward to sort of seeing how the next week or two play out because I thought they were OK. Uh, certainly from a GWS point of uh, view, I think pre-season showed that they've got a, a point to prove. They've got most of their senior blokes up and running. Obviously, the Toronto injury was devastating for that young man and, and for the club. In general, they'll have uh, Callum Ward back in a few weeks. Yeah, I just think that they're on a little bit of a mission. And I picked them on top of the ladder. I didn't pick them as my premiers, but I picked them on top of the ladder just because of all those factors, that their natural talent, but also that uh, that want to sort of then the embarrassment. And it is embarrassing. I'm a, I have one grand final that I played in where we got absolutely slaughtered. I had a really poor day. And you, you sit on it for six months. You probably sit on it for the rest of your life, to be honest. But mm. uh, you sit on it for six months waiting for the opportunity to, to do something about it. Now, it doesn't always play out that way. It didn't for Adelaide, and there's a lot of reasons why, why that fell apart. But uh, certainly GWS seemed to be in the right headspace to really have a crack at this season. Sam, their scoring power was on full show last night, the Giants. And, and not many teams put up 100 or more against Geelong. 
Time to pay the Perryman, I reckon, uh, Jackie Boy. How's this been? He's not an unknown, of course. I think he played 19 games last year. But a youngster, of course, in the scheme of things, just decides he's going to kick four goals from 20 touches. Toby Green. It's amazing how many goals Toby gets from 15 metres and closer. He just gets out the back. They've got immense scoring power there. I mean, Geelong, I don't think it conceded more than 100 for 33 games. Yeah, that's and right. they've conceded 100 with 16-minute quarters. I mean, as Plough suggests, they're not going to be the only one to go down up there. Far from it. But the scoring power on offer at uh, the Giants is immense. And I'm looking forward to having a chinwag with Phil Davis about that ruckman they picked up because he is a pure as tap ruckman as you can get, as good as Shane Mumford was. Sam Jacobs, I reckon he holds the key to that He's a big in. Blue chip huge. midfield. Huge for a future fourth-round pick, I think it was. Ridiculous. Uh, also, can I just say, say Jack, uh, Harry Perryman, a lot of people might know of him, but if you went to the preliminary final last year, he played on centre wing and played on uh, side bottom for a lot of that game and actually took side bottom apart. Not many players do that. Uh, the year prior, side bottom played on Taranto and slaughtered, absolutely slaughtered him. Was nearly best on the uh, the ground in that preliminary final. Harry Perryman went to side bottom last year. They ended up having to move side bottom into uh, a few other roles uh, through the course of the game. So he didn't have a great grand final like the rest of them, but he announced himself preliminary final day last year. And. For Toby Green, who his impact on the game was huge. He kicked four goals, and, and he was everywhere. He's fantastic. And, uh, I mean, it's the it's this generation of players that they've got that are all around the same age group now, excluding Harry Perryman, but Green, Cornelio, Whitfield, Haynes amongst their best players. They're all originals, and they all seem as though they're hitting the prime of their careers right now. Could Jordan Dugowie and, uh, and Toby Green be brothers? <laughs> what about the swagger of those oh, two? No. How is that I don't know which one's got more swagger. The inside-out ball that he kicked, if I can call that Toby Green, I think it was to Jeremy Cameron to the right of screen as you're watching it at home on the box. It was an outrageous piece of skill. And they cut to him and the swagger straight oh. off straight off the, the Monaco catwalk. i tell you what. Yeah, man. look, they have. I mean, they're, they're natural talent. And it was on display with the amount of players that were picked in the, uh, the Big V and All-Stars game. Yeah, you just you had a look then and you went, gee, I mean, enormous uh, talent in that lineup. And uh, the thing that you mentioned, Jack, which I think is almost the key point, is it's enormous talent all at exactly the right yep. age where if you want to have a crack to try to win one. And, and this is in fairness to uh, Leon Cameron where, you know, the calls of him driving the Ferrari come in into play. He's got a squad that is the equal to any squad. I'm, I'm just talking about personnel now they're not style of play not anything else but personnel he's got the equal to anything going around at any of the other clubs and that's where the, the, the look on GWS will come in as we start getting serious into the season about are they as tight with the way that they play style of play as the Richmonds and Collingwoods of the world because they've got the personnel to do it They've just got to make sure that the other side of it's there. And, Jack, they need the injury list to do it as well. They've yeah. had an injury list longer than I've seen out of MASH for the last three or four years. It's ridiculous. And we've seen Tim Taranto also go down. So they need a bit of luck in that area. We'll find out more about their motivation and what they can take away from last night's game. There is a lot that they can take away from that performance. Phil Davis to join us in just a few moments here on Crunch Time for Clean Away. Up your disposal efficiency with Clean Away. Stay with us. Plenty to pull apart from round one. Great to have your company on Sunday crunch time. It's all for Clean Away. Up your disposal efficiency with Clean Away. Terry Wallace and Sam Edmund at the MCG. I'm at Marvel Stadium where the roof is open, boys, and it's been raining. But this is the this is the new normal, I suppose, for Marvel Stadium. 
Well, it's raining here at the MCG too, Jack, so we might be in for a miserable one today. Uh, the Giants were not miserable. There was a lot to smile about from their performance first up, and Phil Davis has been good enough to join us here at our first edition of Sunday Crunch Time. Phil, thanks for your time. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. Uh, one game, obviously, in, in what is going to be at this stage a 17-game season, but I'd imagine a, a lot of boxes that you would have been pretty pleased to tick. Yeah, it was obviously pleasing to, to start the way we did. You know, we did most things pretty well. You know, a few things we've got to tidy up, but this time of year is not too bad to be in that position. But uh, pleasing to beat a, a good side. Phil, Terry Wallace at the MCG. Uh, it was a side that took it up to you. I, I thought it was a really good standard game for a, a round one game. And uh, yeah, Geelong brought you know, a fair bit of intensity to the uh, to the table, but it was it was pleasing to sort of see that you guys handled that uh, very, very well first up. Yeah, Terry, I agree, mate. I think I think their pressure, um, you know, they're, they're, they play a really good system type of football. You know, they, they like to play in their forward half. They've got forwards and midfielders that can apply a lot of pressure. And then on top of that, they've got some stars, you know, between Dangerfield, Selwood and Duncan and obviously then Ablett turned the clock back a bit last night too. It was a, um, it was a challenging performance, but I was proud of our group to stand up and you know, to end up winning by four or five goals was very pleasing. You made a grand final last year. But every side has to improve every year if they're going to get there. Uh, I've always thought, sort of thought, you've got the personnel there, but just were you as tight in all the areas of the uh, of the game as what some of the other sides were? Uh, that's where my question has always been for you taking that next step and ultimately uh, winning one. What if, was there anything specifically over the summer that you just sort of said, you know, gee, can we just clamp down on a, a couple of little areas? Yeah, I think, you know, we're always trying to make our system stronger and tighter, um, but also leave a little place for our flair because I think we've got a lot of great young players and players throughout our group that need to have a bit of space to be created. Um, but, you know, we're always looking to defend better. I think all the sides are chasing, you know, the Richmonds of the world who are very good at um, defending, especially the front half. That's something we're working really hard on. Um, and I've been really impressed with the work that, in particular, our forwards, you know, the likes of Jeremy Cameron, Toby Green, etc. have been working really hard on can we defend better in our front half to, you know, put some pressure because I think, you know, our ability to score off turnovers last night was very impressive. That's what the best teams are doing. Hey, Phil, Sam Edmund here. Now, everyone likes a bargain buy. Now, he gave up a fourth-round pick for Sam Jacobs and last night you've kicked eight goals to three from stoppage. I mean, as good as Mummy is and was as a bash and crash ruckman, here you've got a genuine tap specialist, haven't you? And he can um, he holds the keys for that midfield. Yeah, we obviously um, yeah we're pretty happy to get Sam at a fourth round pick. I'm just glad my old side decided that they didn't think he was uh, <laughs> worth keeping, which was a nice treat. So thank you, to Adelaide, for that present. Um, but you know, I think Mummy, what he did for us for that you know, four or five years, it was just incredible. He's still on the list now to help if um, you know we go down that path with two ruckman or if Sam gets hurt, he, he's ready to go. But you know, Sam, Sam to me is still a top six, top ruck, kind of ruckman in the competition, and you know he's he's been around the mark as the best ruckman for a long time. And unfortunately, last year he got injured, um, but fortunately for us, it fell in our favour. And I thought, what is able to do? You know, he really wore down Darcy Fort last night, in my opinion, and then you know really gave first look to our mitts. And you know the clearances were pretty even in the first half, he's slightly in their favour, but we slowly wore them down, and Sam was an integral part of that. 
And what about Matty DeBoer, who got some of the plaudits he deserved with his role, uh, tagging role last year? I mean, another scalp last night. We know he's got Paddy Dangerfield before, but any time you can hold Paddy Dangerfield, even in a shortened game to 16 touches and five frees against for good measure, you take it. He's just been tremendous for you, hasn't he? Yeah, those selfless role plays are things that make teams better. And he thrives on his ability to concentrate, etc., is incredible. And as you say, you know, obviously danger still has an impact on the game, but I think every team in the comp would take that. Um, when you're playing at Paddy's, obviously, the start of the competition, and for Matt to get the job done like that was a big part of why we had so much success. Phil, before you uh, you come on, we were just having a chat about Harry Perryman and uh, you know, it finished in goals last night, which is always great and uh, a bonus and he gets a pat on the back because he hits the scoreboard probably heavier than what he ever has. But my call was, you know, and you guys would know even more, but I thought from a football point of view, he announced himself preliminary final day last year. Um, you know, he had a body of work before that, but what he did on prelim final day to help you get, you get you guys in, uh, yeah, he played on side bottom for a lot of that uh, particular game. It seems like he's got a pretty fair career ahead of him. Yeah, sure, I think that's a spot on call. He's kind of a bloke that has just got better every year and, you know, that prelim, he was outstanding, as you say, and then I probably think he had the best preseason out of all of our players this year. Right. Um, the thing that separates him for me is he's so clean. I think we forget that he was a first-round pick, and you know, he's just been working really hard at his craft. You know, he's you know he's slowly built into his career while working extremely hard. The, the, diligence, the diligence he applies off-field with his extras he does is incredible, but he separated himself this year by, one, his ability to work and get fitter and fitter. You know, now he's at a point where he's got a very, very good engine, uh, which is vital to play on that wing. And then on top of that, he's so clean. Probably one of the cleanest players I've ever played with. And he looks quite uh, to take his uh, career to another level. Hey, Phil, you guys were one of the first clubs, I think, to close your footy department off to the public with the coronavirus hitting. And, geez, hasn't it hit so quickly? Uh, and now that's very much the norm. In fact, that's the minimum requirement in a lot of places. I mean... How constant has the education in this space been for you guys as a, as a playing group and a, and a wider club? Yeah, we're very fortunate that, you know, as you say, we, we, we were onto it quite quickly, but also our Dr. Bassett Moses has been very consistent um, in his messaging with us. You know, we're getting repeatedly all the new, all the information we need is getting sent to us. You know, we've had you know, multiple emails over the last week every day saying how things are changing and what's next, etc. So that's been great for us. And as you know, you know, the being joined and understanding of the situation is vital and um, that's been a big part of it. You now we've got to continue to get the, the best information because it's so important not only for us but for the general public as well that you know we're, we're taking precautions required and you know you think about you know the selfless nature of all of our fans and members who you know have paid up and you know continue to support us yet they don't get the pleasure of coming and watching us and yeah, we've, we've continued to get that great support from them. You know, we got a lot of messages before the game yesterday from videos from them, which was great. And, you know, everyone's sort of making sacrifices, etc. And, and, you know, we as players are trying to do that with our footy club. I'm glad the footy club is putting that in place. And just personally for you, I mean, you're human, obviously. You've got to, you like, you enjoy a life outside of the game. I mean, what sacrifices are you making at the moment? Because many people are quarantining themselves, but especially as players, we're led to believe that you really have to toe the line pretty closely. Is, is it a case for you for just home club, home club, home club? How are you going about your day-to-day life? Yeah, it's pretty interesting at the moment, to be honest. Yeah, basically, don't spend any time with anyone that isn't involved with the footy club, um, which is pretty boring for my partner. 
Yeah, I think it's just something that we're willing to do. You know, we, we want to make sure that our risks are as low as possible um, because from our point of view, if we can you know, continue to keep our circles very small, you know, the chance of one of our players getting it is very low, which means our risk of getting it is quite low too, even when we play against each other. So that's something we're trying to do, trying to make as many seconds. You know, we've, we've probably gone you know, well and truly beyond what the government have said so far. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a little bit boring. You're getting cooped up. Like, for example... They've closed a fair few of Sydney beaches to try to work out the water recovery today is a bit more challenging than normal. And Phil, just before we hand you back to uh, to Jack, it's a trip back to the MCG. Hopefully next week. Hopefully we're uh, we're still on and, and still playing. Uh, number one, uh, are you comfortable with everything that the AFL have put in place from a travel aspect for uh, for you guys? And just the opportunity. I know it won't be you know 100,000 like it was the last time you were here, but the opportunity of getting back to the MCG. Yeah, I think you know the AFL being able to put in place um, has been very good, and we're very impressed with you know how they've been able to adapt and change, and, you know, push forward with the, the newest um, advice that we've been given. Um, so that makes me feel very comfortable. You know, their ability to get flights where it's just the players is really good because that's important to make sure that we're you know, isolating ourselves as much as possible to reduce the risk. And I think they're pushing that, willing to make compromises around that, which is great. Uh, secondly, yeah, I think it's just good to play on that ground. Obviously. Any time there's a crowd there, the atmosphere is definitely different. However, the ground itself just plays a little bit more differently, which is always good just to get that experience. And fingers crossed there is a game. Hopefully we can push through the agenda, um, sorry, the fixture as quickly as possible so we can cram some games. But, um, yeah, we're looking forward to hopefully get on the MCG on Saturday. Phil, sorry, Sammy, you go. No, you go. I was just going to say, Phil, just on that, have you been told to prepare for maybe a midweek game? Um, the AFL has said they'd be willing to accelerate, as they say, some of these earlier rounds to bank them, so to speak. Have you been told to prepare for maybe a midweek game in Melbourne? Uh, oh, not this week. I'm pretty sure we're definitely playing Saturday this week. But going forward, yep. on the agenda. Um, you know, I'm not very good at Excel spreadsheets and all that kind of stuff, so trying to change the fixture would be a pretty big challenge, I'd presume. So... Hopefully, you know, we can put that in place because, as we know, you know, sadly, if you look around the world, unless we can really push forward in, you know, what measures we're taking as a country, uh, we're going to get to a point where, unfortunately, a player might be exposed to it and that shuts down the competition for 30 days and then delays everything. So, mm. hopefully, you know, we can continue to take great measures so that the game can continue and uh, hopefully get to these midweek games so we can play as many games as possible for, for the people at home and all our fans. Phil, thanks for joining us. We really appreciate it, and well done on a really good performance first up. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Have a good day. Phil Cheers, Davis Phil. from the Giants joining us on Sunday Crunch Time for CleanAway. Up your disposal efficiency with CleanAway. Plow, the, I guess the, the full stop on the Giants' performance, we'll talk about the Cats very shortly. Their, their tackle numbers, GWS, for the amount of footy um, that at times they did have, and they did have control of various parts of the game, but they're their pressure numbers and their tackle numbers, I'd imagine that if, if you were coaching that team, you'd come away from that one really pleased. Yeah, like the intent was there. There's no doubt whatsoever that that was the, uh, the case. Uh, they hunted after their opposition there. They won the tackle count by 14. So uh, I want to talk about the tackles um, at some stage throughout the, uh, throughout the show. But, um, yeah, one thing early in season that is so critical, if your intent is right, in those first three rounds, mm. you normally get a result. We'll get to the cats on the other side of this and we will talk tackle numbers. But as we head to the break, let's check in with PointsBet.
Sunday crunch time for CleanAway. Up your disposal efficiency with CleanAway. Jack Heverin here at Marvel Stadium. Sam Edmund and Terry Wallace at the MCG ahead of Hawthorne and Brisbane. Boys, the news from the team selections here is that Majak Dor is out, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. They were going to give him as much opportunity as they could, Sam, to get up. But with illness, he won't be playing today. Yeah, I checked with uh, someone this morning and they said, he, as I say, was more unlikely than likely. He was picked in the side, of course. He'd done everything right. He was slow early in the Marsh series and then had that fantastic game to finish off. He would have been a great news story, as they say, today mm. if he was able to take his spot in the North defence, but that's OK. He'll come back next week if we're still going. So Tom Murphy is the inclusion for North Melbourne this afternoon. We await the final teams for, some, for St Kilda, but they had no players in, under any sort of cloud coming into today. Uh, back to the Giants and the Cats game, Plough. You said before that from a Geelong perspective that they didn't and wouldn't have lost a lot of friends from that first game last night. No, look, I, I thought that they were admirable in the way that they took the game on. I thought they really took it up to GWS. Um, GWS just seemed to have an answer every time they... Uh, you know, they got close. I thought uh, from a point of view, you're not going to have many sides. And some people might sort of say, well, that's because of, um, you know, a lack of pressure. But still, you're not going to have many sides score 17 goals three against you in a contest. And uh, for most of the game, I thought that they were right in the hunt with GWS just, again, seeming to have the answers. I, I was really pleased that Phil Davis said that uh, Gary Ablett uh, turned back the clock because I, I thought he was outstanding. Mm. Uh, it's the best I've seen Gazza play since early last year where he was putting in some uh, pretty rare form as well. Uh, it's like, a bit like a racehorse to me. You know, when, he, when he seems to play fresh, and this is going to be Geelong's challenge with him, when he seems to play fresh, he seems to play with a greater dynamic. And yeah, His ball use going inside a forward 50 is still something to behold. I mean, it doesn't matter. Age might weary him a little bit, but it doesn't change the manner in which he plays. We got so used to seeing him through the middle of the ground and, you know, and taking the ball out of out of stoppage. Since he's gone to that high half forward role, you, know, you would love to play in front of him because you know, he gives you every opportunity once he get, gets hold of the footy. But speaking of speaking of guys, Jack, who are going to benefit from shorter games and shorter seasons, there, there's Exhibit A, arguably, Correct. in Gary Ablett. Correct. And, uh, you know, uh, fair effort by Mitch Duncan too. I mean, really oh. hasn't had any pre-season at all. And to come in and you know, have the impact and the influence that he had, uh, we know that he can be a midfielder who kicks goals, but he certainly showed that uh, last night. So, I, look, I thought their form was OK, Geelong. I, I thought uh, that performance... Uh, certainly would have beaten most sides that I've seen so far this weekend. But one thing they'd be horrified by, Matty Scarlett would have had a migraine all the way back to Melbourne if they came back last night or uh, probably this morning, obviously, is the fact they've conceded 17 goals. Yeah. I mean, to mm. concede 17 goals in 16-minute quarters when, you, as we said earlier, you haven't conceded triple figures for the last 33 games, they'd be horrified by that, I would have thought. But they'll tighten that up. I yep. mean, I, to, to me, that if, you're, if you're playing reasonable football... And then you go back home and you sit there and sort of say, OK, well, what didn't work for us? Oh, I think that they can tighten the screws on that pretty pretty quickly. And I know you're going to get onto the tackles, Jack, but I think the Cats have laid, what, 33 tack? No, would it, even less than that, I think it was. Uh, it been 29. 20, 29. 29 to tackles. 43 in that game. 29 tackles is uh, an extraordinarily low amount. Yeah, so that's uh, only Carlton laid less tackles with 23 on Thursday night. The, uh, the thing that I wanted to say about the tackles, Jack, was that everyone's speaking about how far you know, the tackle numbers seem to be down. The one thing I just wanted to make evident to everyone is that every single side that has won this weekend 
has won the tackle count. <laughs> so it still is an indicator, and I, I think you'll find that coaches will sort of say, look, if we can get our intensity levels up and take things off the opposition, even though the numbers seem to be down, so Richmond won 52-23, uh, Collingwood won there 49-41. Essendon uh, yesterday 58-33. Uh, Sydney Swans were 62 mm. over Adelaide 55. GWS 43-29. Then Port Adelaide 58 away from home to Gold Coast 40. So it, it still is an indicator in the game. If that, And I've always sort of said, intensity levels up early, you normally win games. So that seems a pretty good way to move from the Cats to the Suns plough. Uh, Stuart Jew didn't mess around after the game and said that the loss was, was really disappointing. That's, that's one way of saying it. Minus 18 in the tackle count, and they've kicked four goals for the game for a team that came into 2020, I, I wouldn't say with expectation. I think that's overcooking it. But just a feeling on the back of their pre-season that things were going to improve. That, that's a really underwhelming start from them. That was a it was a poor start, and a lot of people picked them off the uh, the back of. Two, I think two things. Guilty. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I, I think two things. I think one was their preseason form, and you go back to that game against Geelong where they. Yeah. I, I mean, they just stripped Geelong. I know it's a practice game, but they just had so much pressure on Geelong that Geelong couldn't play. It looked like Geelong had sort of gone up there for a bit of a holiday, but uh, and then I think people picked them off the back of that. Their starts to seasons have always been okay. Their first month of footy has always been their best month of football. But they didn't show up, basically, and you know, really were non-competitive. The, the physical nature of the senior players of the um, of the Port Adelaide side were just you know, too good for them. Bokes and Rockcliffe and, and guys like that just around the contest. That's still my worry with the Gold Coast. You know, have they got enough, one, quality, and two, physicality, through the middle of the ground to be able to compete with any of the uh, the better sides in the competition, and yeah, that game. To be honest, I, I watch I watched the Geelong game uh, first up, and we were just talking about it off here with Sam, and I ended up watching the first half of that game uh, last night and the second half this morning. Well, it nearly sent me back to sleep this morning <laughs> watching the second half of the game because it was hard work getting through it. I mean, it was one goal three to one goal ten after half time. So two goals in uh, the second half of footy. Uh, very, very disappointing. So th some of those numbers that will back up Port Adelaide's physical dominance, centre clearance is 10-3, total clearance is 24-12, contested ball 73-63. So they've been beaten in every stat when it comes to, to actually winning the footy in, in any sort of contested situation. Yeah, look, and the interesting thing is that it was the maturity of Port that beat them, but the quality of the young Port Adelaide players was... You know, the equal of anything of the quality of the Gold Coast. So we all sort of say the Gold Coast have got you know, great quality kids and, uh, you know, they'll, eventually they'll come through providing that they can hold them. Port Adelaide kids were as good, if not better, than the uh, the Gold Coast kids uh, on the, the night. But it, to me it was. It was the, the seniority was the ones who set the example of Port Adelaide senior players and that's going to be a problem. But I, that I, it's hard to not see that being a problem for the Gold Coast all year. It's only one game, but, it, Sam, it was pretty disappointing what they showed the Gold Coast Suns. It feels like a bit of a setback, to be honest. Yeah, I was one that, uh, as I just said, I bought into the hype. I expected a lot more, a lot more than four goals in the opening weekend of footy. I tell you, I wanted to ask you guys about 
David Swallow. Might be one of the luckiest blokes in Australia that Justin Westhoff got up over that after that, that elbow to the head. I mean, he'll obviously get a sanction, you would have thought, financially, David Swallow, but he could easily be missing two, three, four weeks of football for that. Yeah, and the last bloke that they can afford to. I mean, and... Out of character, it's got to be said. Like, yeah, but he, he, it's a balance with him because he's got to, as a leader, he's got to show some physicality, yeah. but, but he's got to control that, and, that physicality. And there's frustration there, of course, as well, and every player gets frustrated, but, gee whiz, he was lucky Westhoff. I don't know how Westhoff mm. got up, but he did, and um, he was fortunate. So, Jack, just going back to your point, I mean, this was a game where they came in with good pre-season form, so they come in with confidence going into the game. It's a home game. It's a home game against a side that wasn't a top eight side last year and they couldn't get near it. How do they go next week when they've got to go down to GMHBA Stadium and play Geelong? Oh. <laughs> the confidence now sapped out of themselves a little bit. Eh? And what they did to Geelong only a couple of weeks ago, that will give them only a little bit of confidence, but I think it'll put a fair bit of resolve into the uh, the cats at the same time. That's got a mauling written, o written all over it, <laughs> unfortunately. Uh, we'll talk more about the Swans as the show goes on, but uh, it's worth them getting some credit first up, I reckon. Their, their performance and the way that they really gritted their teeth and, and fought it out and, and got the result was, to me, was one of the results of round one. Well, it would have been an absolute travesty of justice if Tex Walker kicked the goal and, uh, and, Adelaide, <laughs> and Adelaide pinched the game. Because, would it have been? Oh, yeah. Sydney were the best side by him. I thought comfortably. What did well, Adelaide was, start with eight, eight goals straight, didn't they? Well, yeah, and they kicked well. They kicked what seven in the first quarter. Yeah, and and, and then Sydney, yes, and, and, and then they yep. they banged out like two or three virtually when the game was over. Mm. And, well, I just think that they would have totally pinched it. I thought when the game was on the line through two and a half quarters, I thought it was Sydney that really controlled it. They dominated the centre clearances. Yeah. I think with a couple of minutes to go, it was twenty to five. In the, in the last quarter out of the middle of the ground. And, and you, we talk about your senior blokes needing to stand up and, and do the job. Parker and Kennedy oh. led the way for Sydney well, again. I've got two other names, uh, two other words for you. Isaac Heaney. Well, he was the brilliance. Oh. I, I thought the leadership shown in the middle of the ground was yep. Parker and Kennedy. And Set the, the tone. The show... The show, show was yeah. Isaac Heaney. Oh, boy, I was drawn to the show, Jack. And a couple of those, that mark he took to the left of screen where he was about 10 metres out of position and he's just crashed in and taken a mark. I tell you, John Longmore must just sit there and go, if we can consistently get... And I know Isaac Heaney's been rumoured to be a midfielder in the making, but maybe he's not. Maybe he's just one of these super impactful forwards. And if you compare him, obviously, with a gentleman by the name of Lance Franklin to come back into the side and they can play some consistent football inside 50, you tell you what, they suddenly look a heck of a lot more potent. So is well, he the answer without Buddy Franklin? Is that the direction that they're going to head and, and Sam Reid not playing as well? Do they build their forward line around Isaac Heaney? Uh, yes, the answer is yes. I, look, I think the guy down there who's, who's doing the job for them at the moment is McCartan. He looks good, though. Yeah, he, he, look, I think he's well worth just persevering with in that role and making... I, I, don't, I can't trust Sam Reid anymore. If Sam plays, he plays. Uh, but I wouldn't be moving McCartan at any stage. If Franklin comes back in, I'm playing Franklin, McCartan and Heaney. I'm not playing Sam. Uh, Sam Reid can find another spot in the side if we want to do that. I think that they've got to go past Sam Reid and make sure that this, that McCartan becomes the player that they need him to become. And, uh, you know, we don't know what's going to happen with Sam. We don't know what's going to happen with Buddy. But uh, Heaney, uh, we're sitting here with players, and we spoke about them, the swagger players, and Heaney's not that, uh, but that mid-size forward 
who can really impact the game is becoming more and more important in the game all the time. You know, Dugowie, I know he goes through the middle of the ground as well, but, you know, his dynamics when he goes forward, Toby Green we spoke about in, in that sort of breath. Isaac Heaney is another one of them that is so critically important. Have they changed the way that they're playing in some respects, Plough? I mean, plus 44, an uncontested ball, that's not normally a number that we would associate with Sydney. A lot of what they do is is in, in tight. Yeah, you're hoping that the uh, the ball movement continues. That's always been my criticism with them is that I thought that they were just one-on-one, you know, physical, hack it forward. If their, their stars didn't get a hold of the ball, they didn't have enough flair, they didn't roll enough p- different sort of players through the middle of the ground. The one thing I've liked about them... Now, I tipped Adelaide, so I'm, you know, hand up there. But the one thing I've said all summer about uh, Sydney is I think their 23 and unders are nearly as good as anyone yep. else. We spoke about Port's been pretty good. But uh, you go through their 23 and unders, Papley's in, in that group. He didn't dominate, but, gee, he still looks sharp. Yep. Talk about a lad. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. How, how good was the imaginary high five <laughs> to the crowd? It wasn't there. That was fantastic. <laughs> that was my highlight of the weekend. So. And his, uh, his swagger after the game yep. in their uh, in their use of the uh, the song. Well, Ollie Florent, there's a guy who just keeps blossoming. Very good. And, and they've pushed him through the middle of the ground now. And and James Rowbottom, he's got a bit of X factor about uh, him. He, he's a better player than what people, yeah. like outside Swan supporters, a better player than what people. But this expect. is where they're excited. We can look too much into one round across Jack, but you, and you can only deal with the cards you dealt with from an opposition perspective, in this case the Crows, but the Swans certainly look bolder. They looked a bit faster, yeah. a bit more urgency with the ball. So, so you got you got uh, Mills that's in the under-23 bracket, Heaney that's in the under-23 bracket, Dawson mm. is another one. Um, obviously, yeah, the, the Academy's done something. Yep. McCartan is in that sort of bracket. Papley's in that bracket. And, uh, yeah, so um, they've got some very, very good young players my worry was, did they have enough, or was the senior players going to stack up enough? That's still my question on them. Still plenty more to come here on Sunday Crunch Time. The Saints general manager of footy, Simon Lethlian, will have a chat to us. On the other side of this, we'll pull apart what the Prime Minister of Australia, Scott Morrison, has had to say as well and how that may affect round two of 2020 competition. It's the first edition of Sunday Crunch Time for Clean Away. Up your disposal efficiency with Clean Away. Sunday crunch time. Great to have your company. It's all thanks to Clean Away. Up your disposal efficiency with Clean Away. And for those of you who are joining us for the first time, good afternoon and welcome. Jack Heaven at Marvel Stadium with the roof open ahead of St Kilda and North Melbourne. The one change for the Kangaroos is that Majak Dor is out of today's selected team and Tom Murphy is coming in. Terry Wallace and Sam Edmund are at the MCG ahead of Hawthorne and Brisbane on what's a very grey and very overcast day in Melbourne, boys. Very wet, are you, Sam? Isn't it? It's absolutely pouring down here at the MCG at the moment, so uh, uh, that'll have an effect on the game as well. I would think, Sam, that uh, conditions here, if they remain, I know it's meant to clear a little bit this afternoon, but if it remained like this, I think it would actually help Hawthorne. Yep, tend to agree with you, although typical Melbourne day, as much as things have changed in this game, Jack, many things remain the same. Mm. The sun was out five seconds ago. Isn't it fascinating that we're 
the best part of five kilometres away and there's no rain here at Docklands, but it's belting down at the MCG. Fascinating. Uh, winners so far, Collingwood over the Western Bulldogs, Carlton going down to Richmond, as we mentioned, in the season opener. Yesterday was Essendon winning over Fremantle, Sydney getting the job done in a tight one against the Adelaide Crows, Port Adelaide overwhelming the Gold Coast Suns and the Giants defeating Geelong in the AFLW. Two thrillers, two really, really close games. North Melbourne beating Collingwood by two points. The Giants going down by three points after a late Lily Mithen goal to help the Demons win by three points. And in the other of the finals yesterday, it was the Dockers winning by 70 points over the Gold Coast Suns plough. They um, they look pretty sharp, Fremantle, in the AFLW competition. Yeah, going to be hard to beat. Uh, at, at the way I sort of see it at the moment is that the two teams that were top, if they had have decided to go the two top teams, North Melbourne in one side of the draw and Fremantle, I think that's your, your grand final. But uh, as we saw yesterday, I mean, that nearly tipped over the other way. Uh, Collingwood did a fantastic job and had real opportunity of being able to uh, knock North out of the competition. Didn't work out that way. If you're a Melbourne fan, you're having a listen to us now, if you're a Melbourne fan, get on and Google and have a look at the Melbourne players over in mm. Perth and uh, the way that they were getting around Lily Mithen when she kicked that goal. It's just a fantastic vision about how it's a full team now uh, in all the, these games and uh, a yeah, brilliant vision to have a look at. Whether you're not a Melbourne fan, you might want to have a look at it anyway if you love your footy, but, yeah, well worth a look. One game to come today, that's Carlton and Brisbane who are doing battle at Icon Park, and then from there we'll have all of our preliminary finals for the AFLW competition. If you have just joined us, you would have missed Phil Davis, the giant star who spoke to us in the first hour. That'll be up on the podcast very shortly and at sen.com.au as well. But if you did miss that, here's just a little sample of Phil Davis talking about the of Sam Jacobs. Yeah, we obviously, um, yeah, we're pretty happy to get Sam at a fourth round pick. I'm just glad my old side decided that they didn't think he was uh, <laughs> worth keeping, which is a nice treat. So thank you to Adelaide for that present. Um, but, you know, I think Mummy, what he did for us for that, you know, four or five years, it was just incredible. And he's still on the list now to help if, um, you know, we go down that path with two Ruckman or if Sam gets hurt, he, he's ready to go. But, you know, Sam, Sam to me is still a top six, top ruck, kind of Ruckman in the competition. And, there's Phil Davis talking earlier today about Sam Jacobs. Now, Simon Lethley and the head of football of the Saints is going to have a chat to us in about five minutes from now. But, Sam, to you firstly, because the Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, has spoken a short time ago with some new restrictions regarding travel. He has. This is a big uh, breaking story, this one, Jack, and I think it might affect us in some way. There is a real possibility without putting the cart before the horse, that we might be one and done here. The Prime Minister has told Australians to cancel any non-essential domestic travel. Now, the AFL's working through that as we speak in terms of what steps they're willing to take. Now, he's announced another $66 billion, uh, the Prime Minister Scott Morrison, as far as stimulus is concerned, but he's brought forward a meeting of the National Security Cabinet. Now, they're meeting tonight to consider much tougher restrictions. They're unhappy with... Uh, what they claim is to be many Australians not taking the threat of coronavirus seriously. We've seen the scenes at Bondi Beach. Those beaches have now been closed up there, of course. People not respecting the social distancing recommendations. But it's the banning, seemingly anyway, or the cancellation or the urging of Aussies to cancel their non-essential domestic travel that most threatens our game, I would have thought, at the moment. So... I guess the question begs, uh, because there are some um, ways that you can still travel if it's for essential work, as you say. I guess the question begs here is, is sport, not just AFL, but NRL as well, and, and some other leagues that are still operating, is sport considered essential travel? Well, it just pours more pressure on 
the heavyweights down there at AFL House, doesn't it? So the AFL, I'm told, are working through that as we speak. How far are they willing to go? We've seen Fremantle leaving Perth Airport with face masks. We're seeing teams bust off the tarmac at airports. We're seeing them ferried to hotels where they've got isolated floors and meeting rooms and um, eating places to, to dine at. I mean, these steps, are they sustainable? And if a non-essential travel has been banned domestically... But if you're allowed to go to work, Sam, if you're still allowed to go to work as part of your travel, why wouldn't the players still be able to go to work? I think they're talking about domestic flights, so um, airline travel and um, time spent at airports and all that sort of thing, player. I mean, obviously, yeah, you're right. Uh, the, the recommendation is to work from home, though, if you can, at the moment. And um, there's all sorts of indoor uh, proximity recommendations and guidelines now and social distancing. It's going to be interesting. I, I don't... Even if they don't make a direct recommendation of the AFL, Jack, it just puts more mm. pressure on them to, to make the decision to suspend the season. It's going to be hard, Jack, to, uh, to see it regardless of how it goes, whether it's a positive test or whether it's the restrictions from the government. If we get another round in, I would love us to at least get to round two just to you know, get things flowing a little bit before we sort of get to a lockdown stage. But I'd love us to at least be able to get another week in. Yeah, and Phil Davis was interesting, wasn't he, Jack? Like, a lot of players are saying they haven't been told yet. As far as they know, round two, despite all the talk of accelerating the season, mm. will proceed as normal next weekend. So a full week break. So could that change, though, Sam? I mean, this is obviously a day-to-day -day scenario that the AFL are dealing with. And the talk was that round two would go ahead as normal starting next Thursday night with uh, Collingwood and Richmond. But could that be... Could they have to move pretty quickly on this one and Gill has said all along that they'll have to be nimble and flexible could they move quicker and could we see Collingwood and Richmond say on Wednesday or even Tuesday of this week well the ship might have already sailed I mean if the National Security Cabinet meets tonight and does enforce some tougher restrictions it just gets harder and harder to see how the AFL which has already been in the NRL an anomaly in this space and the A-League as well when you look at world sport um, I mean you you need no further evidence of how much things have changed when Simona Halep is um, praising Port Adelaide for the start of their season, <laughs> given she's over there in Romania desperate to watch anything. We're already an anomaly, weren't we? We're already an exception to the rule. How long can we keep doing that? So we wait. I guess, as you say, it's, it's back to the AFL. The three games will be, will be played today, and then from there we await. And, and you get the sense, Plough, that if the pause button is pushed on the season, it, it will be pushed for quite some time. Yeah, that, well, that's the sense that I get, that I, I think that we you know, would be out for at least a month, and I think that it could be longer, uh, longer term than that. Uh, one game that I think could be played, I was just having a look at the round two fixture, if they wanted to push games forward is Carlton and the uh, the Western Bulldogs mm. are scheduled for a Saturday contest. Well, both of those played early in the week this week, you know, Thursday night and a Friday night accordingly. So they would be two teams. It's certainly, if you wanted to push things back, say you wanted to get a Wednesday game, uh, you could leave the, uh, the Richmond game in the time slot it is now and quite comfortably be able to put, say, a Carlton and Bulldogs onto a Wednesday night. And that turnaround for Collingwood and Richmond wouldn't be that severe either, would it? I mean, Richmond played on the Thursday and Collingwood no. played on the Friday. Yeah, so you could either slide that or if, if you wanted to only change one, you'd go you know, one from a Saturday to a Wednesday or slide, say, a Richmond-Collingwood back to a Wednesday and slide, you know, the, uh, the Blues 
and the Bulldogs into a Thursday night fixture. Well, get your thoughts on this very, very shortly. one 48 is how you can join us. one 48 We'll take your calls as footy fans. We'd love to get your thoughts a little bit later on the show about how you're feeling about round one and Having heard what we just heard from Sam Edmund, what does it all look like potentially for you as a fan going into next weekend? But to matters at hand and to today's game, because the Saints are out here, I can see them starting to begin some of their warm-ups at Marvel Stadium, and it's a brand-new feeling for this team coming into 2020. Their general manager of football, Simon Lethlian, has been good enough to join us on our first edition of Sunday Crunch Time. Lethers, good afternoon. Hi, Jack, Terry and Sam, how are you? Um, this is the most extraordinary of times, no doubt. Um, as a footy club, you've had a big pre-season and been some big changes. I'd imagine that with all of the uncertainty, it'll be nice just to get out there today. Yeah, no, absolutely. The boys have worked hard um, on what's been a pretty uh, successful and pleasing pre-season. So the boys are, are pumped to get a game away and um, hopefully uh, start to build that connection. It's obviously a bit unknown with some of the new players in there. So yeah, it all starts today and the boys are excited. Simon, I'll stay on footy at the moment. Obviously, there's so much else going on that uh, we'll discuss as well. Heck of a lot of excitement around your team. And I think it's twofold. I think it's not only uh, the new boys that that are coming into the lineup, but it's some of your senior boys that just haven't had a run at it uh, of recent times. I'm talking about Jaron Geary. His last three games he's played, he's had three major injuries. And uh, obviously, uh, Dylan Robertham back into the side. So there's a there's about eight blokes that we're really wanting to have a look to see how they go about it today. Yeah, certainly. And there's still sort of Carlisle and Webster still to come. Um, uh, but, yeah, some real selection pressure on now. You, you know, I guess guys like Jack Sinclair and Josh Battle and um, and Nick Coffey are sort of regulars that sort of can't find their way in. So that's the sort of selection pressure we've been after for a while. Uh, but, yeah, it's great to have some leadership back there, especially with Robert and Geary, uh, two of our major leaders. Um, They'll add a lot as the new faces that have come in. So it's, it's great to have some, um, some senior players back in the next. From a training point of view, how has the club handled being able to train, you know, to try to tighten your, you know, your structures? Because you are a side that have got more change than others. I mean, I, I would have thought it was more important for your guys. But then, obviously, with the uh, circumstances that we're dealing with, how has that sort of juggling act gone down at St Kilda? Look, it's been okay thus far. We're lucky to have a great facility, um, you know, which is obviously now uh, not occupied by many staff, so we're able to utilise lots more meeting players as segregated as possible. So it's working okay. I mean, it's only going to get tighter and more restricted and quite rightly so. So we'll be training differently this week than we were last week. You know, there'll be much more sort of group statistics approaching training as compared to much bigger groups than that. And that's the... The guidelines the AFL have been pushing through to us, and I think it's a pretty unified response from all clubs. And it should be the, the protocol that they are, and we've all got a, uh, an obligation to get as many games of as we can. So I guess the perfection you seek in your training program uh, has to be put on paper a little bit. Um, given the guidelines, advantage thereafter. So yeah, it'll be different this week, but we're all working with it. Simon, the club's been pretty open and honest in terms of, the, I guess, the challenge in finding synergy with your group, given you've got the, the players brought in over the trade period, but then all those players who were returning from longer-term injuries as well. You would have been buoyed by what you saw during the March series, I'd assume? Yeah, we, we had a good uh, couple of games there and, and another practice match against a pretty experienced Hawthorne in the middle of it as well. Um, so we're, we're pleased. I mean, um, you know, that being said, 
um, you know, the Pies didn't probably perform as well in in um, in, the, in the, the series. They they came out unbelievably. Different clubs take different things out of it. The main thing is we're a healthy list with just about everyone available. They've all trained and prepared well, so we're happy where we're at. But that'll be a moving feast from now on. And tell us about Max King. I mean, you've been really careful not to uh, embrace too much of the hype around him, but it's getting harder and harder, of course. He gets his chance today. We've we've had to be patient, or St Kilda supporters especially have had to be patient, but he's shown some... Um, he's going to make some mistakes along the way, of course, as, as players of his um, status go and age go, but, geez, he looks exciting of what he's offered so far. Yeah, he does. And look, the, I guess the footy community's had a chance to see a pretty close replica in his brother. Um so, yeah, he's a great athlete, good kid. Uh, he's driven. He's got good talent. But like all tall forwards, um, he'll have his ups and down moments. But, yeah, we, we hope he's a 15-year uh, success story for this club. But it, it all starts today and there'll be things and trusts as we go. But hopefully um, he puts in a big effort today and, and has an impact. Simon, I think it's one of the more difficult games to know how it's actually going to play out. I look at North Melbourne's team and it's pretty much what we uh, normally come to expect from them, reasonably experienced with the you know, kids that they introduced last year. So I know what I'm going to get from North, but with the changes to you guys, I really have no idea what I'm actually going to see or get from you guys. Do you have confidence that you know what you're actually going to see? <laughs> um <laughs> Oh, look, in a way, in a way, um, yeah, you're going to see a much difference. We've injected some pace with Hill, Jones and Butler. Um, I think you'll see a more nimble forward line with Butler there, with Gresham at times, um, with Hanabry up there at times, um, and with Hill, you know, bursting off the half forward. You'll see a different look with the speed we've got, um, but, you know, you'll see some, some familiar faces in Robert and Gary that show up the back line a bit, so... To answer your question, it'll look a lot different, which is what we're after, because sure. we haven't won as many games as we'd like in the last few years. But where it all settles, who knows? That mind has been hard to predict. Uh, Lethers, before we let you go, and we appreciate your time, you, you may have just heard what we were talking about with the, the latest restrictions on travel that Scott Morrison has brought in, and it may... It may eventuate that the fixture, that what it looks like for round two and three may be different if it's on at all. How, once you deal with today, how do you go about preparing for what's next, whatever that may be? Oh, look, it's um, it's really daily, uh, a daily update from the AFL as to what's happening. If you try and look too far ahead, uh, you can waste a lot of time, to be honest. Um, you know, given the way the training schedules are changing, um, given the way the guidelines from the AFL are, uh, you just got to be nimble and agile every day. So uh, I don't think we can look much further past the fact we're supposed to play the West Coast next week on a Sunday. Um, we haven't got any travel booked in for a while. That could change. So, no, it's, it's just uh, too fluid. And, and so it should be the AFL's doing everything it can to keep this industry um, pumping along while it can. We appreciate your time. Good luck today. Thanks a lot, gents. Simon Lethlian from the Saints joining us on Sunday Crunch Time for Clean Away. Up your disposal efficiency with Clean Away. To your calls, one 23 as we try and make sense and try and break down the latest of what Scott Morrison, the Prime Minister, told the Australian public today that essential, non-essential travel, I should say, is now banned, that you can travel for work. But what does that all mean for the competition? Now, Gavin's in Pakenham has been waiting patiently. G'day, Gavin. G'day, boys. Um... I think it's over. I think um, the AFL has to make a stand. Just um, it's like I heard Cloud say he wants to get round two in. The only way to see round two getting in is if 
all the interstate sides played each other. Um, next weekend, Fremantle played West Coast and so on and so on. But really, I think it's a selfish uh, way to do things. I think you've just got to make a stand. Say, well, we can't play until we get out of this uh, time, time uh, of these bad times. The only thing I'd say about that is that and the government have the ability to shut it down. We had the Prime Minister midway through last week yep. sort of put in a raft of, uh, of uh, scenarios and he was specifically asked a question about the NRL and the AFL and he sort of said, providing that they're staying within the uh, categories that we have, they will make their own decisions. They could have come out and sort of said, no, we want them to stop. They haven't done that as mm. yet. I, I think that will come. Does it have to get to that, though? I mean, should, surely the league has a social response. We've got a massive... We, the industry, have a massive social responsibility to the people watching the kids. I mean... But aren't they getting Aren't they getting uh, medical advice that we wouldn't have a clue upon? And hasn't the government sort of said, OK, we've given them the medical advice and providing that they stay within the parameters, we're... But if the Prime well, Minister... They can make their own decision. Yeah, but if the government, Jack, is going to ban non-essential travel, is playing football essential travel? Well, this is the argument, isn't it? I mean, yep. you could argue that it's also a, a fairly big mode of employment for a lot of people who are involved in the different facets of yep, professional sport. Absolutely, and I'm not. And what it does for the for society, and it picks people up, and it's given us something to get excited about. It's in pretty dark times, no doubting that whatsoever. It's been huge in that space. I just wonder how many shots have to be fired before we we sit back and say, okay, maybe we need to pull up stumps. And, well, and that's going to happen, Sam. I mean, there, there is going to be a time where they have to pull up stumps. It's just. When is that time? And mm. as I sort of said, between between the two uh, parties, and I'm saying the NRL and this one as well, and I'm not saying they have to do it uh, publicly, but there would be a phone call made to mm. sort of say, shut it down. We need you, we want you to come out in the front foot and shut it down as we speak. As we sit here today, that hasn't happened. And that's what the AFL, I think, reading between the lines, have been pretty determined to do. So if they get the word from above, they can say, well, we've been shut down. I'm not saying they're running away from the decision, but it's the old force majeure, is the, the French term, is that factors outside of an organising body's control. And whether that gets back to insurance and contracts and protecting things, I don't know. But clearly they want the direction to come from above. I would have thought, Jack. Con's in Melbourne has been waiting patiently to have a chat to us as well. G'day, Con. Yeah, g'day all. Uh, this is similar to the night with uh, that's lost both his arms and legs but still willing to fight. Um, there, there's 10 uh, Victorian clubs and they could play each other. Uh, you know, they, they could play 60, 70 games. The, the New South Wales, Queensland, WASA clubs could play each other once and then have a few practice games to keep their, their uh, eye in, so to speak. Uh, once... And if, uh, you know, the uh, the border restrictions are then uh, uh, returned as normal, then you could go back to that 178-game season. Well, you so are, it's you being are, nimble, yeah. flexible and, and changing, um, obviously, the fixture. And that may have to change from next week. You, you are absolutely totally right. And I think uh, Gil McLaughlin was very, very clear when he, he mentioned the, n the number of games rather than... The, uh, the fact of it being now 17 rounds, uh, that they have to have that flexibility that if things do change, that if there's a possibility to play games, you might get, you know, well, we've got a showdown next week, but you might get a derby 
Yeah, uh, th well, those sort of things are potentially possible of happening. And it's a good call, Con, but the AFL's been pretty clear that the first four weeks of the season will remain as fixture, but yeah, that but clearly that change. could change. That clearly can, could change yeah. and now probably should change at a minimum. And, uh, Jack, I do like uh, a caller ringing in with a bit of Monty Python. <laughs> I thought that I thought that'd tickle your fancy. Uh, more on that one to come. But for those who may have missed this, uh, the press conference from a short time ago, here is the Prime Minister Scott Morrison talking about non-essential travel. What we're saying is non-essential travel um, should be avoided, and particularly when we're talking about interstate travel over longer distances, you know, the sorts of travel that wouldn't be normally part of your your daily life. So going to the shops. Um, is something you have to do. Getting to work is something that you have to do. Um, other important tasks that you have on a daily basis, sure. Uh, but I think Australians can exercise uh, their common sense uh, about things that they, they know are not essential. be fascinating to see what happens next, boys. How we decipher that, or how the AFL and the NRL, by extension, how they decipher that and how they work through whether this is essential and whether this whole thing that we're doing right now and playing under the, the strangest of circumstances, whether it does fall into the essential category for round two and beyond. Yeah, the, well, the Prime Minister went on to say, Jack, uh, that there would be, quote-unquote, far more draconian measures. He was really angered, angered, and the government was angered by the scenes from Bondi Beach with Sydney Siders gathering en masse at the beach and not respecting... I guess the guidelines and the recommendations and not taking the threat of the virus seriously enough. That seems to have really angered the uh, Prime Minister. And now we wait to see that Cabinet meeting tonight, what comes out of that in an official sense. How would you both feel if we did get to a situation, like Con just suggested, where it was almost state-based games and the competition in many ways revolved around the 10 Victorian teams? Well, if it, if it is the competition as it stands at the moment, there can only be one state-based game because we're only playing each other once this season. So, therefore, it, it, let's call it the next round. If yeah. they decided to scrap round two and sort of say, well, we want everyone to stay in their own base, so show, yes, the showdown is on. Yes, the uh, the derby over in Perth is on. Battle of the Bridge. Battle of the Bridge is on. Um, Q clash. That, yeah, that could be... That could be done, and that would just take off when they played each other for later in the year. But... Uh, I get the sense that they want to try to get mm. through at least another round before they pull that trigger. Yeah, I mean, Jack, non-essential travel cancellation or strong advice, as it is coming from Canberra, isn't going to go anywhere in a hurry, is it? Let's be honest. This is going to be in place for for the medium to long term. I mean, the government's been pretty strong on saying any changes that it does make in this space will be in place for a good six months. But yep. at the moment also, that is only advised. We advise that you do it. They're not yep. saying you can't. They are saying we advise people not to do it. Now, also, so Hawthorne's got the longest trip next week over to Perth. Does it count the same for the general public who are jumping on a a normal flight versus Hawthorne who charter a flight? Is there any differences between that? There are so many questions that we haven't got answers for. Yeah. It's a lot for us still to work out, no question about this. You can join us, of course. one 23 is how you can get involved here in Sunday Crunch Time. Still plenty to work our way through. We haven't even had a chance to go near the Bombers and the Fremantle game yesterday. Plough, you and I were both here at Marvel Stadium yesterday. Um... 
I'm interested to see your takeaway. Your analysis post-game was really interesting, but now that you've had a chance to think about it, I'm I'm fascinated to see where that lands. And we'll start to look ahead towards Sunday as well. And this game in particular at Marvel Stadium, North Melbourne and St Kilda is a, is a ripper. Hawthorne and Brisbane at the MCG. My goodness, what a, what a great way for both of those two teams to start the round as well. Yeah, well, certainly uh, going back to yesterday's game, I thought it was a complete game of two halves. I thought Essendon looked yeah, reasonably competent in the first half and handled themselves reasonably well. And uh, Fremantle completely shut them down and then got a bit of a sniff of the uh, the game towards the end, come home with a, a rally. Uh, I walked away from the game thinking neither of the two sides looked like top eight teams to me from what I saw on the weekend. Obviously, there's an improvement in both outfits for players to come back into the lineup. Uh, but, yeah, a lot of work to be done by both clubs still, in my opinion. We'll talk about all of those and we'll take a look at the day with it's a big day for. All of us will finish that sentence that it is a big day for who? You with Sunday crunch time for Cleanaway. Up your disposal efficiency with Cleanaway. 1300 2355 48 is how you can join us on our very first edition of Sunday Crunch Time. Our very first edition of Sunday Crunch Time for 2020 for Cleanaway. Up your disposal efficiency with Cleanaway. Sam Edmund, Terry Wallace and Jack Heverin breaking down everything that we've seen so far in round one and everything that's still to come. It's North Melbourne and St Kilda from Marvel Stadium, Hawthorne and the Brisbane Lions at the MCG and the round will finish off with West Coast and Melbourne playing in Perth a little later on today. The 40 Winks ladder, team up with your perfect bed using bed match only at 40 Winks has Port Adelaide on top after their big win over the Gold Coast Suns. Collingwood in second, the Giants third, Richmond fourth, and the other winners from the round, Essendon, Sydney, Adelaide, and Fremantle, with all of those games still to come. Um, we haven't had a chance to fully pull apart Essendon and Fremantle as yet, so now feels like a, a good time to do that. I don't think, for the amount of people at the moment all over the world who are watching the AFL and we're seeing it on Twitter. It's going nuts in America and, and in Europe as well. People are watching this league of ours because there's nothing else happening. I'm not sure that Essendon and Fremantle, though, is the one that we want to package up and send to prospective new markets. Well, you might have uh, done that in the first quarter. I thought the first quarter was all right. Seven goals scored in that quarter, five of them by the uh, the Bombers. Yeah, look, the Bombers jumped out, and they looked pretty good. Uh, they looked pretty sharp in the, the early part of the game before Fremantle really got their structures in place, and uh, they were free-flowing. One of the things that I did like about the Bombers was that they've got a lot of their big blokes missing at the moment, but it allowed them, I called it yesterday, uh, Sam, uh, almost like Collingwood when they lost their key position defenders going back two years ago. You had the Langdons and the Howes playing on bigger blokes, but it gave them more run. Uh, that's what I saw from Essendon yesterday. They were very, uh, very athletic uh, of type, not many big lumbering sort of players. But as the game went on and as Fremantle got their structures in place, what it did was it didn't allow them to have a dump-out kick mm. when you talk about their forward line. They didn't have a big bloke. They basically were all playing either small forwards or mid-sized forwards. And so everything had to be perfect when they went forward and Fremantle were able to pick them off pretty regularly. They just needed that big guy that could they could kick under pressure and kick the ball to the top of the square, have at least a crash pack because... What it also did was there was no crumbing for Fantasia. There was no crumbing for McDonald, Tip and Woody because there was no big bloke in sight to be able to kick the ball and crash a pack. So I, I think 
they've got to look at that, uh, whether they've got the personnel, whether there's anyone there at the moment that can come in and, and play that particular role. But it was, I thought it was something that hurt them the longer the game went on. I think McKernan's back next week. Not that he's... But, but, he's, but he's something. He's OK. He's I a mean, presence. Absolutely. And he will crash a pack and, uh, and play that sort of role. But it was badly missing for them last week. And it's not, he's not that sort of player. But Jacob Townsend, we've been speaking about bargains throughout the morning. That was a powerful performance from him. And it was all the things we remembered from him in that premiership year. A strong overhead, a real defensive orientation mindset. He tackles hard when he hits. You stay hit. Yeah. He was three contested marks first quarter alone. So I think there's, he's got two weapons and we always speak about you know, players who have the ability. If you're a 7 out of 10 in everything, it doesn't guarantee that you actually get a regular game in AFL football or you can fall out of the system. You've got to be a 9 or a 10 in a couple of areas. His pressure is 9 out of 10. Yep. No mm. doubting that that's the case. The other thing that I think with him is with ball in hand, he hardly misses. So if he gets his opportunities, I think it was three from four yesterday. When he gets his opportunities, he normally nails them. So he's he's been a good pickup for them. I think that that's that's one win that they've got. Hey Jack, concerning... I wonder what the Americans. It was in prime time California. I just wonder what the Americans thought of Michael Hurley and whether they think mm. uh, he should be suspended. Are we are we happy with a fine for Michael Hurley for that late roundhouse, if I can call it that, on Sam? Yeah, Stur. I heard Jason Dunster wasn't. I, I'm the opposite way. I'm actually you know, quite. Uh, fine with it. I didn't think it was anything uh, particularly malice. Yes, it was late. Um, it cost them a goal in a really tight game. I'm, I'm of the opinion that it was nothing more than that. The thing that I loved was the next contest, Sam Sturt, yeah. f- physically in a one-on-one as a kid playing his first game, sort of said, I'm not t- copying that crap off you. He wasn't bothered, was he? No, nah, just took him on, pushed him out of the way, took the mark and, and kicked the next goal. I thought that was great for me, young man. So you don't reckon there was an intent to hurt there from Mick Hurley? I th- think there was an intent to make him earn it. Yeah. If you run it through the, the MRO system, Sam, it probably does end up being a fine, doesn't it? It does, yeah, for sure. If it, it meets all the parameters for a fine, he's lucky. He's a bit like David Swallow. He's lucky that Sam Sturt bounced straight back up and took his kick and obviously didn't even come off the ground, didn't look close to coming off the ground. But... Where did you sit with it, Jack? You were there? Yep. Uh, no, I think he should go for it. Yeah, oh, I, really? I, I thought it was late and I thought it was... I thought it was pretty ordinary, to be honest. Uh, I, thought, I thought it was late and I thought it was unnecessary, but I didn't think that there was anything nasty about it. Yeah, didn't I, look good for mine. Yeah, I thought the intention was... I, at the time, I wasn't calling that passage a play, I don't think, Plough, from memory, but at the time, I thought, gee, that's... Sometimes the, the eyes can be a giveaway, I think, in that situation. I thought that when I went back and watched the replay, I thought that Hurley's eyes deviated from where they needed to be and his eyes were looking to make contact. Yeah, I, I wouldn't disagree with that. Um, and it was very, very late. I, I just didn't think the amount of contact... Uh, earned you a week out of the game. That's just my opinion. From an Essendon perspective, how concerning is that last quarter for them? Um, they, As you say, they ticked a lot of boxes in the first three quarters and we know that they haven't got access to some of their best, but neither did Fremantle yesterday. They had a lot of good players not no playing. Doubt. One goal in the last quarter, they lost the disposal count and they only had six inside 50s for the term. Uh, look, it's disappointing, but I, I've been in a lot of games where you're expected to win... You have control of the game for most of the game and then it starts slipping away from you and there's almost a panic thing that comes into into, uh, players at that stage and I I thought that they froze. 
I thought mm. they froze in the moment. Now, uh, whether their fitness levels were good enough to get them over the line, I mean, they'll have a look at all, all those. Not much you can do about that at this point in time anyway. But uh, to me, it just was one side that was playing with freedom and the other side that froze with the occasion that just, you know, thought, oh, my goodness, are we going to actually blow this game of uh, football? And I, I personally, I thought they tightened up. The yeah. Dockers... I mean, sorry, Sam, go on. I was just going to ask, you can go into that mentality where you're trying to sa almost save, save the game, the duck, protect correct. the game, as they say, as opposed to... And, and I think that's where your, your six inside 50s comes from, Sam, because what you do is... And you don't do... I'm not saying that the coaches put this upon the players, but the players feel that the game is slipping away. So what do they all do? They all Constantino back a line or two, and so now you've got everyone in the back half, and you end up playing a game where you're trying to stop them, but every time you get the ball, you give it back to them. So the ball just keeps coming back the other direction yep. again. And I think that they slipped into a little bit of that uh, late in the game. So for the Dockers, there was no Blake Akers, no Joel Hamling, uh, Stephen Hill, David Mundy, Alex Pierce, Nathan Wilson, just to name a few that they didn't have access to. But regardless of all of that, is, is, is a bottom four position about what to expect from the Dockers this year? I th look, I think they'll be well coached. I, I thought that they were out of the game yesterday. And they were coached back into the game. I thought that they tightened a few things up. I thought that they evened up the third quarter. Just so they just got the, the, the sway back on their terms. And then they had a real crack at them in the last quarter. So I thought the coaching from them was pretty good first up. Uh, but they're young. They're inexperienced. They've got a couple of top liners in uh, Fife and, and Walters. Uh, I think it's going to be a bridge too far for them to be far better than that this season but I, I would have thought and this is where Sam Sturt comes into it yesterday, I would have thought that their whole thing is build something, you know Justin Longmuir, we don't mind, we're with you get something together that's going to be sustainable for the long term for us, if that takes a little bit of time now remembering that uh, Damien Hardwick lost his first 10 in a row mm. if it takes us a little bit of time we want to build something properly Jack, they're a two-man band at the moment, though, aren't they? Fife and, and Walters. Yeah. And you, you never want to hang a kid on, on one kick. But that Andrew Brayshaw miss at the end, which could have made two it... Of, yeah, the one from, what, 10, 15 metres out on the run, goal gaping, that was a galling miss. That, that could have made it very interesting. Um, and we know Sam Sturt did that um, in and amongst that. But for Brayshaw to miss that, I mean, that was a real a real moment for him. And the disposal, we know, is something he's got to tighten up. But he's just got to kick those. Well, it was because about... Four minutes early, he missed the other one. Yep. And so you miss one, you should be disappointed. If you get the second opportunity, which, and you're right, Sam, which, which was a much easier opportunity, gee, you got to nail them. That you do. That you do. And they had their chances, the Dockers. Depending on what this season's going to look like, it might be one that they will uh, live to regret. Uh, some of the hangers for hangmytv.com.au. That's what we do. Some of the hangers so far in the round. There hasn't been that many, but... Um, we sung the praises of Isaac Heaney already. He took a really, really good one yesterday. Uh, he's He's been a, a big story this round for his performance. Oh, look, well, you know, he's Sam's love child at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, I don't, and I don't blame her. He really is a, you know, he's a, he's a spectacular player. He's a highlights reel in himself and uh, a really good player. Another one who took a hanger yesterday in the game that we did was Rory Lobb, who looks a, an improved player as well. Yeah, he yep. moved. He moved as well as what we've seen in in a good couple of years, I think. 
Hey, just at that Essendon-Fremantle game, interesting sight given everything that we know about people not being allowed into the stadiums. And again, today we had our names carefully ticked off and we've got our yellow wristbands on. Yeah. Alistair Clarkson yeah, was cited. Uh, and didn't that cause a storm on Twitter and social media? What was he doing there? But we're told that the four-time premiership uh, mastermind was well and truly entitled to be there under AFL rules. We know that a scout, a rival scout's permitted mm. to attend if you play that one of those two clubs over the next fortnight. We know they've got the Dockers next week. So Clarkson, Alistair Clarkson, was on the list there. So, the Sam, you're the, uh, you're the rival scout and all of a sudden the phone rings and the senior coach is there sort of say, and you're ready to, to go to the game. The senior <laughs> coach says, Sam, sorry. I'm overriding you, mate. I'm going. Well, that's happy days. You not, go home and you put the barbie. You, you fire the barbie up. <laughs> I was going to say, you open the fridge, don't you, in the, in the case? <laughs> You're not complaining, I don't reckon. We're going to come are? back and have a good chat about all the games coming up today. A preview of today's games for Identifiber, specialising in asbestos mould, air quality and environmental services. Three games to still come. North Melbourne and St Kilda, Hawthorne and Brisbane and the West Coast Eagles and Melbourne. But as we head to the break... Crunch time, all thanks to CleanAway. Up your disposal efficiency with CleanAway. Sam Edmund, Terry Wallace and Jack Heverin. It's North Melbourne and St Kilda here at Marvel Stadium. The boys are at the MCG ahead of Hawthorne and Brisbane. And later on today, it is West Coast and Melbourne who will finish off the round at Optus Stadium. We'll go through all of those games very shortly. But before we go any further, Sam Edmund, do you have some more news regarding the coronavirus? Uh, we do, Jack, uh, and we might need to make the most of today's footy, it must be said. The political editor for the ABC, Andrew Probin, reporting that Victoria and New South Wales are going to push for a lockdown of all non-essential activities. So that includes businesses, no going to restaurants, no going to pubs. Now, Victoria is going to go it alone, Andrew Probin says, and push for schools to be closed from Tuesday even if that is not recommended by the National Cabinet meeting tonight that we've been speaking about, Victoria will go it alone on the school front. So, again, whether essential travel means work and whether AFL football is work, as it is for a, a large percentage of people, it's just getting harder and harder to see. And there'll be meetings happening now at AFL House and, and deep into this evening, you would assume, about what to do with round two if it goes ahead at all. You, you, you get the sense here that it's it's going to become almost impossible now, isn't it? Well, the upward trajectory, I mean, you, you go on what the medical experts are saying. It's a complete and utter runaway train, and it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. I mean, none of us have the answers here, but we can only bring you the news as it comes to hand. So if we do start to get to the point where we're closing schools from Tuesday, non-essential travels banned, businesses come to a close, it's advised not to go to restaurants, not to go to pubs, it's hard to see how we can sit at home and watch a football game go around at a major sporting competition such as the AFL. Yeah, it's... Uh... It's going to be challenging, no doubt about that. More on that across the afternoon, but I think today is a is going to be a very, very big day in the country's history and, and how we're working through all of this. So we'll push on because there is three games of footy to be played today. Now, we're going to finish Sunday Crunch Time every week with it's a big day four. We'll all finish the sentence. It can be a player, it can be a team, it can be anything, in fact, but it's a big day four. Plough, you have the new ball in your hand. Who's it a big day for? Uh, it's a big day for Jonathan Patton playing his first game with the Hawthorne Football Club. Uh, if you think about the yeah, the hardships he's gone through up at GWS with the, the uh, constant knee injuries that he's had, finally gets to another club. 
I would think that if Jonathan Patton can put on a really good show in his first game for the Hawks, potentially the Hawks could get over the line. So, uh, to me, that makes it an extremely big day for him. And the preseason signs have been pretty good, haven't they? You've taken a, a pretty close look at the Hawks, and he seems as though he's fitted in fairly nicely to their forward setup. Yeah, lightened up a little bit as well and uh, and moving uh, very, very well. So uh, let's hope that he can bring that pre-season form and put it on display here at the MCG today. But, you know, look, yeah, there's nothing better than you know, a key position player who comes to a, uh, and particularly if it's a key forward, comes to a footy club. If he can put it on display first up and that side gets a result, the fans just instantly love you. Samuel bowling into the wind and pushing uphill, which I don't know if that was common for when you played or not, but that's what you're doing here because Plough gets the new ball. Who is it a big day for? Well, it's a bit, I was going to say it's a big day for Brisbane. I'll still go down that path. Obviously, since I've formulated that opinion, it's just a big day for the game. It's yeah. another big day for the AFL. But putting all that aside, if we're to talk pure skin out on the uh, on the MCG in front of us here. It's a big day for the Brisbane Lions. I mean, we know their story last year, one of the great romantic stories of the year, from 15th to 2nd. They did go out in straight sets, but they've gone from the hunter to the hunted. There's been some speculation they might go down the path of Melbourne and go down the gurgler, but they're healthy. They haven't won at the MCG since 2014. They haven't won against Hawthorne at the MCG since 2004. And on that day, Simon Black had 27 touches and big Jonathan Brown kicked four goals. So if ever there was a crossroad moment early in a season, it is today for the Brisbane Lions to show they are the real deal and they weren't a one-year wonder. I'm going to take Melbourne. I couldn't split them in the end. It's a really big day for St Kilda, I think, because based on the pre-season and the recruits and the general feeling come out coming out of this club, they'll need to play well today. But... For Melbourne to go back to basically where it all fell apart for them from the preliminary final from two years ago, there's no crowd, so all of that noise that they would have had to come up against won't be a factor for them. It just feels like an important day for them, especially after last year. It feels like an important day for them to, to put in a good showing. They don't have to win the game, but they need to put in a good showing regardless. I agree with you, uh, Jack, for the yep. fact also that when you think of if we do go ahead with a round two, They've got to come back, so they've got to get some confidence in the game because they're going to come back to the MCG and play GWS. Oh, ouch. Yeah. So, so that's not going to be an easy task either. So they've had a, a really tough draw at the start of the season. Yeah, let's hope that we get around to our game in. But, uh, yeah, you wouldn't want to be coming back licking your wounds. Let's get your predictions for all three games then in that case. North Melbourne and St Kilda, both teams have just made their way out onto Marvel Stadium and the sun is just starting to break through from the clouds. Who's winning this one, boys? Well, I've selected North Melbourne only because I know exactly what I'm going to get from them. St Kilda, if everything works, I think St Kilda would, would win the game, but there's just too many moving parts for me, so I've gone what I know over what I think I might know. Sam? Well, if Plough thinks that uh, Isaac Heaney's my love child, then St Kilda are my love childs because <laughs> I have uh, fallen in love with the hype. I'm easily seduced, I think, Jack. I think <laughs> yeah. is what we've established That's the here. That's that story. On the inaugural <laughs> Sunday crunch time. I'm easily led and I've been led by the Saints because I just love what they did over summer. But, look, that's just names on a page at the moment. We have to see how they mesh in the heat of battle today and, and I'm tipping them to go well in that department. Hawthorne and Brisbane. Well, I've gone uh, the Brisbane Lions. Uh, I'm a believer. Uh, I'm a believer in what they did last year. I think that the d natural development that should come from uh, most of that uh, young group of players should sort of see them be able to still surge forward. They've been able to handle 
Hawthorne. I know it hasn't been at the MCG, but they've been able to ha handle Hawthorne of recent years. Uh, so I'm going Brisbane Lions. I'm a believer in what they're doing at the moment. This will shock you, Jack, but I'm a believer as well. I'm well and truly on board Chris Fagan's mob. Um, look, the Hawthorne play this ground so well, regardless of personnel. Uh, just the man in charge there, Alistair Clarkson, he's got them well drilled on this deck, the MCG. So they will be no pushover, I wouldn't have thought, but I'm just backing Brisbane. The speed, some of that uh, class, especially out of the midfield, uh, should be interesting in the midfield, actually, to hold them in good stead. And everyone taking West Coast over Melbourne? Yeah, too good. Nat Nui back in in as a regular and having had a full pre-season. Uh, the fact that you've got Kelly in the, the line-up, yeah, I think too good. Eagles. Eagles all around, I reckon. Boys, it's been a lot of fun. Great to have you with us, and it'll be nice to be doing this all season long on Sunday crunch time. Enjoy your Sunday afternoon of footy. It might be a while before we can say that again. Let's hope we get back for round two. Indeed. Fingers crossed. Crunch time for Clean Away. Up your disposal efficiency with Clean Away. Thanks for being with us on our very first edition of Sunday Crunch Time. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au. Predict Australia's score with a crystal ball. And it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals. All thanks to McDonald's. Mackers, together and loving it. TNCs apply.